0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Yo, happy new year, everybody. Hey, welcome. Welcome back to church. It's so good to see everybody. So, there's a webinar about that course that I'm doing tomorrow night. If you go to the website, you can it's just a Zoom call that we'll all be together. But if you're wondering if that is the right thing for you, go ahead and just go to the little orientation webinar. You don't have to sign up, but that would be your first step to see if that is the right thing for you. I've been through this course. A lot of the staff have been through stuff related to this, and it's really, really good. So, I just want to encourage you in that respect. Um, Hey, this week, we're starting an all-church fast. We're going to start the beginning of the year. I hear that's the very best place to start. We're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to have a week-long fast. So I want to invite you to participate in any way that you can. The purpose of this, now you don't have to fast the whole week. You can fast a day. You can fast a few meals. You can do however the Spirit of God will lead you in that. But the purpose of this is to set aside the first part of the year. And say, God, would you inhabit this entire year? We're looking for Jesus. We're looking for how you would move in our lives, how you would move in our church. So I just want to invite you to go ahead and start that. Feel free to start that as early as tomorrow. And then finally, many of you have participated in Fierce Fully Funded. Just want to thank you for that. Thank you for going on the website or turning in your card and letting us know, hey, this is how much I think I'm going to be giving this year. For those of you who want to participate in that, you call this your church home. I would ask you to go ahead and do that by January 31st. That's when we will be able to say, hey, this is what God is apportioning us this year. This is how we're going to operate our budget. I'm excited about this year because I really believe God's got some fresh fire for us this year. How many could use a little bit of fresh fire? How many think 2021, whatever you get, you might as well get more of God? Yeah, here's what I suspect. It's going to be as we get more of God's word that we're going to get more fire. As we get more of God's word, we're going to get more of God himself. And today, today I want to look to God's word and see what he would speak to us to start that fire process right now. So uh, I wasn't going to start here, but then this week happened. So I'm going to start here now. Um, I know that this week was tremendously discouraging for many of us. I know that there was a sense even of, wow, I'm ashamed of what I'm seeing on TV and what I'm seeing people do. And I get that. I totally get that. Can I encourage you? This is the time for the church to shine. When the world around us is falling apart, that, and the more that happens, because it likely will, the more we need to shine. You are the salt of the earth. You are the thing on the planet that is to bring out the God flavors. You are the thing on the planet that is supposed to be like, ooh, that makes everything taste a little bit better. Now, just to clarify, we, need, we, just, you know, we know this, but we need to review this. The world is not the salt. And so if you are a Christ follower, we really shouldn't be surprised when the world seems to implode because that's what the world would do without a king, without Jesus Christ at the helm. Our job is, to not, to, is not to curse it It's not to shame it. It's not to scream. It's definitely not to break the law. Our job is to be the salt of the earth and demonstrate Jesus' personality. And I was sharing with our volunteers and leaders earlier today, but I really felt like I needed to share it with you. One of the best ways that we can do that is through the virtue of humility. Humility is not pointing toward me. Humility is pointing toward a solution, and that solution is Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine, okay, he's almost out of office, so I'm not a Trump basher, but I just want to, I'm willing now to use some examples, okay? Um, I wasn't until about now, but you could take President Trump, you could take any president, you could take any politician, you could take any anchor person, but I just want you to reimagine the past few years if whatever they were saying, if it would have been done with humility. Just add, just pepper in humility everywhere and see if the nature of the thing doesn't change a little bit. Because without humility, everyone is shouting, do it the way I say. But that's not what humility would do. Humility would say, um, I don't even know if I'm right, but here's maybe something to contribute. So Daniel, some of you remember him, the Old Testament prophet, he was actually involved in the political sphere. And he was invited in one day to the king. And they said, Daniel, would you please weigh in? The king's had a dream. He doesn't understand it. And we want to understand it. And this is what Daniel says, Daniel 2, 27. Daniel says, no wise man or enchanter or magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. You ever feel like there's a lot of mysteries that nobody seems to be able to explain? Nobody feels seems like they have the right answer? Daniel says, now if it were us, we'd point to us right now. We'd be like, but I got it. I got the answer. Daniel says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There's a God, O King, if you would seek his face, he would tell you what it is. And he's going to use me to do it right now. But just to clarify, it's him, it's not me. And so can I just encourage you to be the salt of the earth as you go throughout this week and maybe the next few years to demonstrate humility. That's what the salt of the earth does. They're gentle. They're not on rants. You're not trying to convince everybody that you're right, and if they would just get on your side, there's one side, and it's the side of Jesus Christ. You're not trying to beat anybody. You're not trying to beat your enemies. You're trying to lead them to the master who will forgive them. It's as we are renewed in our mind that we are changed. What did Paul say in Romans 12? He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that comes by gazing at Jesus and gazing at his word. It doesn't come through slapping people around online. It doesn't come by grabbing your relatives and shaking them, why are you so stupid? It doesn't come through any of that. That is not the way. That is the kingdom of darkness. That's enemy tactics. The way we do it is we embrace humility and we stoop, but we can do it from a place of confidence. See, the rest of the world panics and we remain calm. Because we know who we have believed, and we know who we have entrusted everything to. And he's well able to take care of his earth, and believe it or not, much worse things have happened, and the world has continued to go on, and it will continue to go on until the king comes back and sets everything aright. But our job right now is to demonstrate the attractiveness of Jesus Christ by being still. Say, I know that my God loves you. I know that he's got a plan, and whatever happens, Jesus will still be standing there with open arms. And in a blink, our turn on this plan is going to be over. And it'll be somebody else's turn. So what we want to do is stand on the earth and be witnesses to the peace and forgiveness and joy and true government of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't take that government by taking over, but by wooing hearts. So can we be heart wooers? I accept the challenge. And I know that you do too. So today we're going to talk about fresh starts. We're going to get a fresh start. How many could use a fresh start? I need a fresh start. I think it's, sometimes it's helpful to do a financial series after Christmas because everybody just went in debt. So <laughs> let's start there. Let, let, let's start with it. Years ago, uh, I got really sick in my early twenties, and it was unforeseen. There was nothing we could do about it. There was nothing we knew to do about it. Uh, we didn't have very good insurance, and so. Right away, my wife and I began to go into medical debt. We acquired some medical debt. And it's one of those versions, hey, it's just unexpected. There's, you didn't see it coming, and that's what it was. That's a little different from a few years earlier because for part of our wedding celebration, people gave us gifts. In fact, they gave us to us what was a lot of money. So we, we walk away from this wedding night. We're like, look at us, yo. We ready now. Here's the problem. We, over the next year, just went to Walmart Walmart a lot and blew it all, most of it, okay? And we're sitting at the end of that year being like, we're the dumbest people there ever was because we don't even have anything to show for it. We didn't even keep half this crap because it was crap. If I could go back in time, I'd tell myself, buy stuff that you're going to have in 10 years. Don't just get little knickknacks and invest some of this stuff. But we were young. We were naive. And sometimes that's how debt comes along through naivete. We just don't know any better and we do this stuff. But a lot of debt and a lot of debt that you and I experience today still is consumer debt. And it's not really naive and it's not really unexpected. It's just lazy and irresponsible. That's where it comes from. It's because we have a lazy heart and a lazy heart says, I want it now. And there's no reason I shouldn't be able to have it right now. So I'm just going to get it. I have a way to get it. So I'm going to sign the contract, I'm going to sign the deal, and then I'm going to have it. But however we get there, here's what God's word says. Somebody say God's word. God's word says in Proverbs 22:7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. The slave of the lender. Now, I've noticed that none of my credit card statements ever say, dear slave, this is how much you now owe. Thanks for being our slave. They never say that because they're fogging it up. They're not reminding us of the fact that, yes, we will let you get this right now. We'll let you spend tomorrow's prosperity today. We're not going to let you know how much of your actual life it's going to cost to get back this freedom. We're not going to let you know that, yes, it costs that plus all the interest that we're going to charge you later. It's a deception. The heart of debt, the heart of that enslavement Is a deception. And the deception is you can't live without this. You need this right now. You probably deserve it. Everybody else has this kind of thing. Why don't you just take the shortcut and get it? And for this reason, debt is a snare. We're gonna see in the text in just a couple minutes, but Proverbs 16 2 says if you've been snared with the words of your mouth, if you've been caught with the words of your mouth, that word snare is yakush. It means to trap or capture or control so as to rule. That's what consumer debt, that's the deal that it's trying to have on us. I want to control you. I want to rule you. I want to snare you. And it says later on in the text that it is like a robber. It's like an armed man. But we don't think about that at the front end. I mean, if you see an armed man in an, in an alley, you're not pro- you don't start walking toward him and be like, this is going to be a positive experience. No, you're probably like, yikes. Yikes. I don't want to be alone here in this alley with this guy. He probably has that weapon for a reason. And so we're going to try to get out of there. Well, that's what this snare of debt is. And in context today, it's saying, don't co-sign for somebody when you're not positive that they have the muscle to immediately pay for it. And where we get foolish is, we are the very one we're co-signing for. We're saying, I don't really know how I'm going to pay for this, but I'll just go ahead and sign it away. And that leads us into the snare, leads us into the the trap. And so it, it really doesn't matter. For any of us who've experienced this, whether it's naivete, whether it's impulse shopping, whether it's just, I just made stupid mistakes, I don't know. Whatever it is, Jesus has an awesome financial plan and future for us if we'll take his counsel and get out of debt as fast as we can and store up extra so that we can not only stay safe, but bless others. And that's what we're going to see in the text. And here's, here's the Jesus deal. The general will of God is that he wants you and I not only set free, but growing in freedom. He wants the freedom to be increasing as we walk with him. That's why it said in John eight thirty six. so if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Well, let's talk about it in the money realm for a second. Psalm 37, 21 says, the wicked borrows But does not pay back. But the righteous—it's contrasting to here. But the righteous is generous and gives. He's casting two different visions. He says, in one life, just you know, it's not a big deal to never pay anything back. But in the other life, in in a life that is being increasingly set free by God, there's generosity growing in that life because they're free to be generous. God's will always is that we grow in freedom, and not. Shrink back and maintain a bunch of these old habits that should be put, be putting being put to death. And freedom comes from where? It, from, it comes from paying attention to God's words. It comes from God's commands. That's what frees us from the stare. Now, now I want to show you Psalm twelve. Psalm one twelve. We're not going to go through everything about this. I'm going to skip through these verses, but I want you to see the vision cast because here's a man who is first. You're going to notice it in the first sentence. He delights in God's commands. And then all of this freedom and all this generosity and all this liberality of spirit comes from that one thing. Psalm 112, one, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Hey, you want a better 2021? No matter what happens, more Bible, more delighting in God's word is gonna give you a better year. Verse four, light dawns in the darkness for the upright, He's gracious and merciful and righteous. Verse five, it is well with the man who deals generously. Do you see what's happening? Generosity is overtaking his soul and lends and who conducts his affair with justice. Verse seven, he's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. His heart is steady. He'll not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He's distributed freely and given to the poor. It's well with him or her. Hey, you want, who, who could use some more? It is well. No matter what's going on in the world, it's all well here because I'm being overtaken with the freedom that is in Christ. And where am I starting? I'm starting in God's commands. I'm delighting in his commands. Well, how do we gain this freedom? James tells us in James 1.25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, doesn't that sound kind of backward? When I first read that, I'm like, sounds like if you're giving me a law, I'm not free. The law is to like prohibit me, isn't it? Like I'm not free if there's a law, but this is how it works. As we gaze into that perfect law, we get more and more free. I've used this example with some of you before, but when a little fish in the ocean says, I'll tell you what, I know it's God's way that I stay in the water, but I'm going to break that law. I'm going to crawl up onto the land because I want to go to a picnic for about an hour and a half. And that fish tries to hang out. God says, when you leave the safety of my law, you are no longer free. You're freest, little fishy, if you stay in the water. That's where you're going to have the happiest little fishy life. But if you break my law, you're going to get into all kinds of trouble, and ultimately it's going to kill you. And God says, when you precious humans break my law, you're leaving the water, and you're hanging out where you will die. So I'm asking you not to go there. But here's the problem. That good knowledge of God's ways, how many have noticed that it leaks? Like, it leaks, man. You, you find yourself, you walk for a little while, and you're like, I was obeying this before. What happened? Like you just forget, you just the world, law, you know, just gets all over you, and you forget. That's why we need to gaze again and again, looking, gazing into the perfect law that brings freedom. So, let's look at the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs, what this is, this is a collection of sayings, largely that are from Solomon, the king, the wisest man who ever lived, until Jesus, and he's sharing these sayings with his sons. So. His advice can protect them. It's the, that's the primary source of Proverbs. one. Uh, my son, if you've been given surety for your neighbor, have given a pledge for a stranger, okay, have you, sorry, if you have become surety, he's saying, if it's somebody you know or somebody you don't know, if you've been snared with the words of your mouth, if you've caught with the words of your mouth, do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you've come into the hand of your neighbor, go, humble yourself and importune your neighbor. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and a bird from the hand of a fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty come on you like a vagabond, and your need, oh, oh, here he is, like the armed man. So it's a new year. We're going to get a fresh start. For a financial fresh start, number one, get out. Somebody say, get out. get out. Get out of all consumer debt like your life depends on it. Did you see this? It's right here in God's word. Do this then, my son, and deliver yourself. Deli- he doesn't say, hey, wait for me, baby. I'm going to come bail you out. No, he says, Deliver yourself. Since you've come into the hand of your neighbor, hey, gosh, it starts with us. He doesn't say, hey, man, keep hoping. I don't know. He doesn't even say, "Eh, pray about it a little longer. He says, boy, deliver yourself. See, we get really confused sometimes. Like, here's what's wonderful about the gospel is that we are made right with Jesus Christ by grace through faith because of the blood of the Savior. And it's completely free. There's nothing we can do to get it. There's nothing you can do to keep it. God himself is the one who keeps you saved. But that can confuse us because it makes us think, well, I guess I just better wait around for God to do all kinds of stuff. It's in this area that you don't have to do anything. But if we want to acquire the blessing that God has for our lives, we got to do some stuff. We have to act. We have to operate in faith and act. That's what he says right here. You go ahead and do it and see what I do. God will be faithful as we take obedient. Somebody say obedient. obedient, obedient action. Now, one of the ways that stood the test of time is, and if you know about Dave Ramsey, okay, Dave Ramsey, he's like this Christian financial guru kind of guy, and he's got Dave's baby, set, Dave's baby steps. Seven steps are gonna help every one of us get into better financial freedom. If you, have, if you don't know about those, pick up Financial Peace or Total Money Makeover or just search Dave Ramsey Baby Steps online and you'll find them. But for those of you who know who Dave is, I want you to imagine a scenario here let's imagine that Dave Ramsey and your great grandmother sit down with you and they say, we're going to take control of your finances, so buckle up. We're going to give you some instructions of what you need to do. Here's what I think that they would tell you. First, they would say, okay, you need a plan. You need a budget. You need to have a plan that you regularly review so you're not like Carter and Kenzie, the early years of their marriage, going to Walmart, not knowing where the money went. You need a plan to tell the money where to go. So that's number one. Number two is you need to cut up all those credit cards that you can't pay off just like that. Number three, you need to tithe because if you don't have God's power behind you, you only have a percentage of the power that you're going to need to get where you're trying to go. Fourth, they'd probably say something about quit impulse spending, okay? That's like a real easy example is you're going to the checkout counter, there's all this junk right there and you're like, I need that. That's impulse spending, you just get it, but it can be a car, Instead, wait 30 days and pray, and if you have the money at the end of the 30 days and you still think it's a good idea, suddenly you can then get it. But I, I can't tell you the amount of times, like, and you guys know this, Man, you buy something, you're like, I have to have it today, and by that afternoon, you're like, that's dumb. I did not need that, because the emotion wore off. So let's quit that impulse buying. What else do you think that they might say to you? Maybe they'll say, hey, you need, you need to reduce spending. You need to take that category of things that is really just for giggles for you and you need to put that on hold for a while or you need to brown bag it. You need to quit going out to lunch every day. You need to quit with all those expensive coffees and you just need to stop. I'm not saying if you have the margin and that all works, that's fine and dandy. But if you are bleeding, if you are ensnared, I think Dave Ramsey and your granny might have some things to say about it. I was talking to my friend Daniel. He and his wife, they were in debt, $100,000, and they were discouraged. They had, you know, he got a, when he when he went away to college, he was given a credit card and said, use this in case of emergency. That was the end of his financial training from his parents. So you can imagine, suddenly everything becomes an emergency, okay? <clears throat> and he's even a missionary kid, so that means he feels like he has to tithe, so he's tithing, you know, with borrowed money, and he even told me, he's like, you can't even have any joy in that because you know your finances aren't honoring God even as you're trying to honor God. So that didn't work. And one day, they just made a decision. They just got real deliberate, and they understood we need to be really intense and really patient, and we need to pay this stuff off. And they got out of it in three years, paid off $100,000. Now, for them, you know, it was tough. It was tough stuff. There was a lot of things that they didn't get to do, so they were driving around a car, in Arizona with no AC. And many of us say, like, oh man, it's 120 degrees. You can't you can't do that. But they wanted it. They wanted to get out of this debt. They were like, this time is going to go by anyway. Why don't we just be out of debt at the end of it? And so they had to short sell their house. They got Dave's emergency fund and they had to break it nine times in order for them to make it through. But ultimately, they made it through. And he told me, he said, Carter, when you got a big hole... You need a big shovel, and God has got the biggest shovel. So you want to go ahead and put God first. You want to trust God, and then as you act, as you obey, then you'll see God move. Don't wait until you get in a perfect position. Start with the whole you have and trust God and move forward. And he told me this. He said, one of the things I learned in this trial was that So often we're praying for peace, but we're postponing obedience. That was profound to me. We're praying for peace, but we're postponing obedience. And he said, God has baked peace into most of obedience. If we would just, like we're praying, oh God, give me, give me peace, give me peace. And yet there's like seven things that we're just like, ah, ah. (laughs) I don't need to hear that right now, God. If we would just obey, our conscience is at rest. That's why you have a conscience, by the way. Do Do you You know that, right? It's not just to bug you. It's to say something's wrong here. You can have more peace if you straighten out this bone. And as we just start to obey, I'm not saying all your anxiety will go away. Certainly there's other forms of anxiety. But a lot of our anxiety can go away when we just decide, I'm just going to go ahead and do what I know to do, but I can't seem to get around to. He goes on, he says, humble yourself. Give no sleep to your eyes. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand. He's saying, don't put it off. I mean, I'm thinking about that gazelle, right? She's sitting there, and now if the lion is 100 feet away and his mouth is watering, she's probably not like hoping. Well, I hope this changes. No, because hope's not a strategy. That little chica's going to run. That gazelle's going to get out of there. And that's what God is saying to us. Do something about it. Get after it. Move. Don't just sit there and be lunch. And that means you, you got to humble yourself sometimes. You, you, dude, go to begging whatever you got to do. That means you might have to admit some things. You might have to tell some friends. You might have to tell your parents. You might have to tell people, yes, I didn't. Yeah, I haven't brought this up, but I'm in, I'm in a little bit of trouble here. And I'm telling you so you'll pray for me so somebody else knows. It takes a lot of humility to tell somebody else that we got in trouble because on the way to somebody else, you have to tell yourself. And you have to tell yourself, yeah, I know that there were other circumstances or whatever, but you were unwise. You were not a good steward the way you were supposed to be. And that's humbling. That takes a lot of humility to do that. Husbands and wives, spouses have a hard time with this sometimes. They have to humble themselves and go to one another and say, you know, we got to get in agreement about this. We can't be on two different pages. we got to get on the same page and start to win this. One of us can't win alone. We need to be doing it together. Maybe you need to do like Kenzie and I needed to do. We needed to just go get some credit counseling, man. We need to turn everything over to somebody else and say, can you all help us fix this? And for us, it was just like, it was just like, my friend, we knew the time was going to pass anyway. So my plan isn't working. Let's just have somebody else help us. If if you, I'm sure you can find those online, but if you want to use the one that we used, it was clearpoint.org. And you know what it did though, it took not only humility, because you have to go to somebody else and say, can you help me? It takes a little bit of patience. And that's the tension of it. Because like, you got to be intense, but then also you have to honey, you have to enjoy your life while the five years are happening. Like you can't just be stressed out until it's all gone. You have to say, well, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm making progress and God will get me out when he gets me out. But we need to make that decision. I'm going to start now. I'm going to do right now. I like Joyce Meyer. She has this little illustration. She says, there's hopers and investors. Hopers want to keep doing the wrong thing and just hope it gets better investors recognize, I'm going to have to do the right thing, even if the wrong things are happening around me, in order for the right thing to happen to me someday. I'm going to start when it's not perfect, and then it's going to get better as time goes by. Well, halfway through this little passage, the writer changes his advice, and he says, so what do we say? For a financial fresh start, get out of all consumer debt like your life depends on it, and number two, store up like you're afraid you'll run out. Store up like you're afraid you'll run out. <clears throat> and he talks about the ant. He says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. This little ant, this sweet little girl, she is saving, yo. She's after it. She is taking ground. And he's not, he's not like trying to say, walk in fear. He's not saying that. He's not saying don't trust God for your stuff. But he's saying God is delegated for you to work hard and get after it and store up while you can. And, and what it is, it's an ethic of I'm going to take ground. I'm not just going like to sit back and relax like, well, you know, I guess God will take care of everything. God says, no, you have a role. You jump in and you be deliberate. You work hard. You work ahead. You do everything that you possibly can do. Now, this is kind of a strange passage, but I heard T.D. Jakes preach on it once and it really tickled me in a preachery way, but um, Genesis 49, here's what's happening. It's kind of strange. Like Jacob is dying, okay? And he's laying his hands on all of his sons and he's like, you know, prophesying over them and like, here's what's going to happen with them. And he says this over Benjamin. Now, Benjamin is Joseph's little brother, right? He's like the youngest. And he says, verse 27, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning, devouring the prey and the evening dividing the spoil. And we think ravenous is bad, but it's really good. He's saying, you know what I like about Benjamin? Benjamin is after it. He's going for it, man. He's moving. Yeah, he's plowing in the morning and dividing in the evening. While he's young, he's going for it so that when he's old, he has something to divide. So let me just speak to the young ones for a second, okay? Everybody, you know, under 40 will say, all right, you're glad I called you young if you're under 40, and. and over 30. Uh, Yeah, you're still young. So if if you're in that age bracket, there's still encouragement for everybody else. But if you're in that age bracket, can I just encourage you? It is time to get after it. It is time to devour when you are young. It is time to plow. It is time to move. It is time to go. Don't wait till you're 30 to try anything. Okay? Like, you got strength now. If you want to be dividing stuff when you're older, it's time to move now. And, and people in this generation, they want to float around in a cloud and be like, well, I just hope everything's going to be okay. I can't find, you know, I just can't find my sweet spot. I can't find my dream. And no one, you know, rang the doorbell and said, here's your dream. Hey, precious, listen, you're much more likely to find your dream if you get up and plow now. Just try something, and God will lead you to what the right thing is. But baby, don't wait. You got strength now. What are you going to do when you're old? What are you going to do when you can't do anything anymore? You ain't, you're going to have any strength. You're not going to be able to plow then, and you're not going to have anything to divide at that point. So while we're young, hey, precious, resist the insta culture that says you can just be famous overnight. That'll probably be the plan. That's a dumb plan, okay? That's a dumb plan. Do the ant plan. Get on your grind now. Get after it now. Get after anything now and let God open the door when what? God will be faithful when you're obedient. God will be faithful when you do what you already know to do. And you know something to divide when you're older. Now, I know folks over 40, you're like, Hey, some of you, you already did this, awesome. But listen, if even if you didn't, God starts where you are. You know, God is powerful. God's amazing. God can create something out of nothing. That shouldn't be our plan. I bet you God will create something out of nothing. No, but when we get in a jam that we just, there's nothing we can do about it, God will come through. Just like Hagar, he'll say, well, I know that they just kicked you out and you're here with this crying kid in the middle of the desert. Whew, here's a well. I'm gonna still make you a great nation. God can still do it. That just can't be our plan. So while you're young, Let's get on that grind. Now, here's what I notice. The people who really get out of this, the people that really do it, you've seen this. They're not waiting to have a better circumstance. They're not saying, well, you know, when I get there. No, they start with a crappy circumstance. They say, it's not good now. I'm going to start now. I'm going to start applying diligence and obedience and getting out and storing up. I'm going to start it right now. I'm not going to wait. So maybe, you know, even just for your savings account, okay? If, if you don't feel like you are doing the ant version, then just start. Just write down in your plan, in your budget, okay, just, it's 10 bucks, 10 bucks a paycheck. Just start there and then lay hands on it. Or if it's on the screen, lay hands on the screen and say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I'm gonna give myself to diligent ant work and I'm asking you to grow this thing. And it's gonna be a percentage. And it's gonna be 2% and then 5% and then 10%. And then you're just take everything and you just start investing that thing. And God goes bit by bit, stage by stage, step by step. So don't get discouraged that you ain't there now. Start now. Like the ant. Let's get after it. Now, there's a secret here. Here's the final secret. I want to show you. Did you notice? He said, my son. Verse 1, he said, my son. Verse 3, he said, do this then, my son. Here's what we got to know. God is not this angry judge that is like, well, you messed up, now get your butt in line. That's not not what he's doing. Jesus is a lover of debtors. Jesus loves debtors. You look at how many parables are about a debtor, someone who owes something that they cannot possibly repay, and that's the one Jesus is always attracted to in the parable. Jesus isn't an angry judge. He's, for, he's kind, it's his tenderness that wants to, he's talking to us like a father, like an everlasting father. He's saying, I, I can help you here. I just need you to do your part, and then I will do my part, and I can flex, baby. If we will allow Jesus into our financial plans, I mean, even if you're sitting pretty and doing wonderful, but Jesus isn't a central part of your financial plan. You're not consulting. You're not asking for his creativity. You're not asking for his wisdom. You're not asking for his helping you to wrangle resources and and learn wisdom. How many understand this? I know what it's like to feel like I just don't have wisdom here. I'm just not smart. Do you know the spirit of God is a spirit of wisdom? And if he can grow you in obedience, he can grow you in wisdom. You used to be less obedient than you are. Well, it's not because you're so awesome that you're more obedient. It's because the work of the living God is active in you. You can be not very wise and the Spirit of God can either make you much wiser or he can just give you favor with a bunch of wise people and put them around you. He can do any of that if we'll release our faith. So, So don't look at your own limitations. Look at the size of your super awesome God. Imagine what it would be like if we were all so free from the snares if we were all so willing, we were like that Psalm 112 man, we're looking at the future no matter what happens in 2021, confidently from a place of stillness, from a place of trust, of like, I can scatter, I can, I can bless, I can sow into others because I know my God. Not because i got Fort Knox in my backyard, but because I know who he is. What if we were all operating from that place? Well, the book of Proverbs today is saying do something about it. Do something about it. Hey, um, get out and store up, but do it from the place of holding the hand of the very one who loves you most because he loves debtors. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, I just want to thank you because you're so wonderful and you're so good. Thank you that you love us even if we are not financially in debt, God, we have been in so much spiritual debt. And you come to our rescue. You come to our aid. And you say, I will make you wise and I will make you obedient. And I will make you a blessing. God, there's lots of situations right now that we just want to submit to you. We want to invite you into. We say, Jesus, here. Here it is. Here's a wound. Here's a problem area. Would you come into this place? Give us transparency. Give us Humility. Give us that anointing to get on our grind and do everything that we can without walking in anxiety, trusting that you will be faithful to add to us little by little. And God, help us do this whole thing with a calm spirit of delight in our God that is unaffected by the waves and the winds of this world that sometimes seems like it's losing its mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends. Click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.